Hey there, welcome to Uppity Women. Today we're talking to Michelle Barnes, who is the founder of Real Images. It's a nonprofit designed to create a strongly knit community among women and young girls. They encourage women to support each other and discover a sisterhood that is beyond race, religion, and socioeconomic status. I'm a big fan of Michelle Barnes. She is, she's a great person. Hopefully I won't have any bad persons on this show, but she is really great. I enjoy talking to her. She is very generous with her time and letting me bounce things off of her and talk about issues that I think about a lot and things that I'm just trying to figure out in my own brain. So I appreciate that a lot about her, but I hope you enjoyed this conversation. Here's Michelle Barnes. I guess let's just start with who you are and where you're from. Okay. I am biography. My basic biography. I'm Michelle Barnes. I was born and raised in a tiny town um, called Strong, Arkansas, down in Union County. So Mm -hmm. I was there until um, I graduated high school. I came up to UALR. I know I get in trouble. I call it Euler. I still call it Euler. It's habit. Um, In 2001, and I got up here and got stuck. I I probably went back home for winter break. And after that, I just, I stayed in Little Rock in this area. And then after undergrad, went and worked in Hot Springs and lived in Hot Springs for five years and then came back to Central Arkansas. And I've been here since. And what's your degree in? My undergrad degree is in sociology and my master's is in public administration. What were you doing in Hot Springs? I was working at the math and science school. I was working at ASMSA. I was working in the residential program, so I kind of moved up the ranks a little bit in that um, in my five years there. But I lived with the teenagers the entire five years. Wow. So, yeah, um, when I left, I told my boss, I've given you five good childbearing years of my life (laughs) for me to move on. (laughs) I thought you were going to say, thank you for that birth control. I am never having children. Well, that too. I mean, that too. But they, I mean, I still keep in touch with a lot of those students even now. And um, it was definitely one of those life-changing roles um, to kind of be with them and guide them during junior and senior year of high school and them just Going from being teenagers to, you know, you're leaving, you're about to be a young adult and you have to make some better decisions than you do when you're a teenager. So. And decisions that, I mean, our brains are still developing until we're 25. Oh, so, yeah. I mean, there's yeah. just no way. We want them to be grownups and they're not. They're, they're children. They make bad choices. Right. And, and very good, brilliant kids. And, I, yeah. you know, used to tell them, like, you can probably run me circles around a calculus problem, but I'm trying to teach you not to go out and be a butthole in life. You know, mm-hmm. like, like that's a skill that you need to have just as equally as your academic skills. Like you have to be able to learn how to talk to people and work with different people and lead people. And you're, you being great in academics is not the only avenue that's going to give you success in that. That's right. You have to learn those life skills. Oh, yeah. Is that a private school or is it considered more it's of a public. charter? No, it's a public school. It's, um, out, it's actually under the U of A system. See, most states have a math and science school. Louisiana has one. Mississippi, Texas, uh, Missouri are the ones I know within the region. The difference is a lot of them are kind of like set up like Easton, where they're actually on the college campus. Arkansas oh. is the only one that's separated and is not on a college campus in this region. So was that experience? And I don't want to get to real images just yet, but was that experience part of what led to this seed of an idea for real images? Yeah. I mean, that's really where it started. 
when I was working there, I, I was in charge my first couple of years. I was in charge of doing at least one school-wide program. And so for my school-wide program, my first year, I decided to do a self-image workshop with the students, primarily girls, but I opened it up for guys too if they wanted to attend. And so this was about 2007, 2008, and the Dove Real Beauty campaign had just kind of kicked off in maybe like 2005, 2006. Mm -hmm. And so it was still pretty new, but when I saw it, it caught my eye because I said, wow, if I had something like that when I was in high school, going through everything I was going through, like (laughs) I probably would have felt a little bit better about myself. And so I decided to try that out with those students. And so I downloaded the materials and got with some local businesses to get um, door prizes and make goodie bags and just really made it very special. After that initial event, the feedback from the students were, let's do it again. It could have been longer. Um, I really enjoyed it. I wish we had more time, which was like, (laughs) it blew my mind Mm -hmm. because anytime you're dealing with teenagers, everything you do sucks as an adult and everything is cheesy and it's really hard (laughs) to plan a program that they're really interested in. So programming in itself wasn't my full capacity in that particular role that I started out in. And so I can only do it once a year. So the next year I made it a three-night event and then just kind of made it an annual event until I left the school. Was it called Real Images? No, it was um, it was called the Real Beauty Workshop, I think is what I called it. And yeah, Real Im- <laughs> Real Images, and we'll probably get to that soon, like Real Images was not the original name. At the Secretary of State's office, every name I came up with kept coming (laughs) back because it had already been taken up in Arkansas. Mm -hmm. And so real images just came together at a third, fourth attempt of other names I had thrown together. And I was just like, I hope I I hope I like this and I hope I can pitch this and say this with confidence. And so that's how that worked out. I mean, it seems great to me. Is it does it it roll off the tongue now? Yeah, it does. It does. Yeah. Yeah. I like it. Back to the high schoolers, what were you hearing or seeing from these kids that made you think, oh, we need this here? Was it just your own experience that you wish you'd had something like that? Or or were people coming to you with issues? Um, I think it was more my own experience in the beginning because it was my first year. I was still trying to get to know a lot of the students. And when you come into that, that role, you know, you got you got about a hundred something seniors and they have typical senior attitude like I run this. This is my show. You may work here, but you're a guest mm-hmm. <laughs> in my house. So that first year and and then you have the juniors who are completely homesick and they're freaking out every single day because they miss home. So I was I was still really trying to get to know and get a lot of trust within the students. I think that program kind of solidified that for me. It was kind of like, okay, she's one we can run and talk to. But what I ended up seeing, especially after the first year, because it was an hour, hour and a half. But when I started breaking it down into three nights, I started seeing a lot of the girls. There was a lot of family hurt. Mm-hmm. There was a lot of, am I good enough? Are my parents proud of me? A lot of dad hurt from single parent households. Those were the nights where tears flowed and I, you know, allowed those tears flow. Mm -hmm. And then the other topic that we hit on would be media, of course, and really breaking down Photoshop. 
And then relationships was another biggie. Like, how do you interact or how do you find value if you are trying to find value in yourself, in your romantic relationships, or even the relationship you have with your friends? Because that does a number on your on your confidence, too. Mm-hmm. Um kind of like the mean girl scenario you know if your friendships are broken that is a whole other type of situation mm-hmm. and really in in a lot of ways more painful than romantic relationships because there's just such a trust in those friendships oh yeah i feel for kids um i mean i know when i was young i was and still well into adulthood and i still had insecurities but i was very insecure all my friends had boyfriends i mean i just didn't feel I guess I was just so desperate for someone to like pay attention to me. I would have had sex with anyone. And I, I waited a long time, you know, to have sex compared yeah. to my friends because frankly, no one would have sex with me. So, right. you know, and it's not that I wanted to do it. It was that that was the only way I knew to get attention as a girl. Mm-hmm. And I just wanted someone to care about me. And even though sex isn't caring necessarily, that's how it's translated or that's, I guess, yeah. how it's done in high school. Right. And yep. so, you know, when I think about too, just the hormones that are raging and, and kids are learning about their own sexuality mm-hmm. or they're confused by it because they don't learn about it at home or at school. And, you know, I've got nieces who are now in, well, late elementary and middle school. And I just, I wish I could guide them, but I, I don't know how, because I don't know how to give girls, help them learn how to create confidence, but also to value themselves and to demand that others value them. Right. In healthy ways. Right. And I think, too, that's where the male influence comes in. I think I was kind of like you. I was super nerd in high school and I got my first boyfriend or my only high school boyfriend junior year, late junior year, early senior year, somewhere in there. He wasn't even from the town. Like he was a transplant from California. So, you know, um, the new guy. And I lost my virginity at 17. I was, and that was considered late. You know, like. That I was, was 17, yeah. Yeah, that's considered late. And so, um, and it was my senior year of high school. And I really probably could have waited a little bit longer. I just chose not to for the same reason that you, you know, say, you know, I have a boyfriend. Mm -hmm. I love him. And it's just what you do. It's it's just what happens. But my brother, who's 12 years older than me, started getting in my ear real early, maybe 12, 13, talking about sex talking about, you know, why I should wait or, you know, is or if you make the decision, his thing was like, even if you make the decision, make it in a smart way, make sure you're protecting yourself along the way. And he, you know, made sure I was around to learn about, you know, how the game is played and, you know, when, when a guy is, you know, trying to play you and lying to you. And he made sure I was around his friends who were also 12 plus years older than me, you know, adopted me like their baby sister and saying, hey, when you hear this, you need to run. When you see this, this is how you need to handle it. And so by the time I even got to 17, and even now to this day, I hear things I'm like, "Uh uh-uh, that don't even sound right. You ain't even talking about anything, you know, (laughs) because I'm hearing it from the dude. You get what I'm saying? Hey, like, right. Um, and, and some of them were hoes. So they were like, when you, if you see them, if you see a man do what I do, you know, you in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. You know what I'm saying? So for me, you know, I think that's why the male influence is important with young girls. 
because once you plant that seed and you keep talking and you keep teaching them, they're going to know it. It is like the seed party, you know, act like a lady, think like a man. You know, you need somebody in your corner telling you this is how you handle it. I know people may have different opinions about that, but that's just my opinion. What about, I don't hear you saying that they were telling you not to do anything because that would make you less than somehow or make you a hoe or whatever. They were just saying, here's 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 what to watch out for. So if that's not what right. you want, here are the, the warning signs. Right. Right. So did you ever discuss with your brother or friends or anyone else the double standard of guys being able to sleep around or have these sexual experiences with no repercussions? We never got that deep when I was a minor. We never had those discussions. Of course, as I got older, you know, I became an adult. Those conversations were had. And see, my brother, my brother's gay. So that was another interesting component mm. in that, too. With him and teaching he, me, you know, like, was he out then? You know, a heterosexual, you know, lifestyle. And he has a homosexual lifestyle. But, you know, relationships are relationship men are men. And he came out to me when I was 12. So this is something that I was like, when I got 19, oh, you try to teach me this and my whole life is a lie. You know, no, I knew at 12. He told me when I was 12. And he and I, yeah, I guess, um, but we still didn't have it. I'm not, like you said, my brain wasn't developed until I was 25. So I don't think I was even thinking that deep, you know, <laughs> right, right. So, you know, as a minor. But uh, but we definitely had the, the conversations about the double standard Um and I have it. I, I have it with my. I have those conversations with my boyfriend. I'm very open to having those conversations with guys, and I think that they know it. It's a privilege, quote unquote, of theirs, and they know it, and they use it to their advantage because they're human. And I love men, but they're selfish. So hey, you know, like if yeah. if we're not bucking it, you know, as women, if we're not bucking it and holding them accountable, <laughs> right. you know, in their minds, what's the issue? Yeah, you know, I definitely went through phases where I just, I wasn't looking for a relationship. Sex is fun, usually. Yeah. And I was like, fuck you. I don't really care what you think of me. What was really weird is that it feels like with the guys that I acted most like a guy with, where it really was just kind of one and done, they're the ones who wanted to keep coming back. I was like, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, because you're interesting. <laughs> I've yeah. been there. I've been there and done that. You're interesting. You're not like most women. You're not um, on my jock, so to speak, all the time. You're not running. You can care less what I do. Therefore, I'm interested in you. It's so jacked right. up. Right. Okay. It is. <laughs> Human relationships. <laughs> So when you when you were ha- having these things um, in Hot Springs, these events were were these topics that you covered? It was more like we, visual, like appearance, self esteem. Yeah, well, no, I mean we got into like the core of it. Um, I didn't give too much sex talks. Like we talked about it. We talked about um, making sure that you know what STDs you can get. Like, it, and we had to be very careful about that because, again, it's a public school mm-hmm. and we didn't want to get into sex education, but we definitely wanted to talk about life skills and, you know, taking care of your body is, a, you know, is something you should know about. So we touched on it, but it wasn't a main thing. And then I had to keep in mind, too, that I'm talking to somebody's kid and, right. I may be going against what mommy and daddy is telling them. You know, I may be talking to someone who uh, is super devout in their faith, be it Muslim, Christianity, or whatever, and they're saving themselves for marriage. So who am I to talk about, you know, your body, your choice, you know, just all out loud. But if students had a question, we definitely tried to answer it, but we never tried to impose on them a topic. Right. Yeah, that makes sense. 
so let's fast forward, I guess. And how did you tell me about Real Images and how that developed? After I left Hot Springs and moved back um, into Central Arkansas, I ended up getting a phone call saying, I heard you did women empowerment workshops. Can you come and do one for us? And I was just like, someone lied to you. Like, I don't know. And it took me a while to find out who told them to call me. Um, but nonetheless, I accept the challenge. And so I did the workshop and then that ended up being an annual event. I still do it to this day. It ended up really being kind of this calling. That's how that's how I purpose it. It was a calling um, that this was something that people trust me with, that this is something I'm gifted with to be able to talk to young girls and adults and young adult and that I needed to do something with that. I had the idea of having a nonprofit, having an organization, because I didn't want to be this big face of, oh, I do this, call me now. Like I wanted the organization to be the face of and the movement of this. Mm -hmm. So started Real Images with that. And Jessica T, who's going to be our honoree for our Phenomenal Women Luncheon this year, she was the one who drove me to the Secretary of State's office on our lunch break. We both worked at the same job. So she drove me there on our lunch break. She fed the meter and stayed in her vehicle while I ran upstairs and took forever. I came back. She was like, what? in the world <laughs> going on because I mean that was another Michelle Barnes that had a sketchy um, um, business history and they had to verify I wasn't the same Michelle Barnes and then the name kept getting thrown back out so it, it was it took up the whole hour she was the driving force of saying hey you need to do this and she was the founding board president and helped me get through the first couple of years and that's, you know, the support, the support of a woman, you know, mm -hmm. that we're all about supporting each other. Support of a woman really helped me push through all those fears. So you were doing women's empowerment. Was it women's empowerment generally, like professionally, image wise? Um, generally and image wise, I always kept it down to self-image because for me, that's the core of everything. When I do the workshop, I have this graphic and I just cannot pull away from the graphic. I just I use it every single year because self-image is a big, bold word in the center. And then it's all these scattered words of heartbreak, relationships, mom, student, you know, anxiety, stress, and, and all these things. All these things that we deal with and struggle with within ourselves, the core of it is how we see ourselves. The core of it is how we feel about ourselves. And so for me, self-image and self-esteem is the topic. It is, you know, the underlining of a lot of a lot of things that we struggle with. So I, I always want to talk about life things, having a mentor, having great, you know, friends around you who support you. How do you feel about yourself? Depression, suicide. We've talked about that before. And so I, I branch out on those things, but I always come back to self image. Mm -hmm. What is the mission? The mission is for women and young girls to recognize their true beauty, uniqueness, and talent, and to empower them to be um, exceptional leaders in their communities. Do you target any particular demographic? I don't. So with our Mirror Project, is for school-age girls, typically five, six years old to 18, and then the 
um, kind of sisterhood connection is the name of the program, but that's our sector where we have the networking events and have the panel discussions that's for 18 and over. So it's just all women. And really when it comes to demographics, it's, it's been kind of split still in a segregated type of way. So with the panels and networking events, those are usually pretty balanced and even. You have young professional women, you have older women who have been retired, you have all different races, you have Black, White, Hispanic, Middle Eastern, you have that. But with the workshops so far, and we're still growing that, with the workshops so far, I've seen more need in the African-American community with the young girls. One thing that I've noticed just over the years is you've always had a diverse board. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. And I'm trying, I'm just trying to remember. That's how we met. How did we meet? We met because one of my board members was at the same event that you were. And she said something about real images. We were just starting and you gave her your card and said, have your person call me. And yeah. by the time I called you, you had already been on the website and saw our board. And then the first conversation was about the diversity on the board. And it was good diversity, right? It, it was good diversity. I yeah. was saying that I liked it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, you know, I, I, the first, I mean, I know that we obviously met before then, but my very first like strong memory of you was when you launched officially at the Capitol. Yeah. Yeah. And I was so excited for you. What year was that? 14? That was 2014. Mm-hmm. And you have got, okay, so when you talk about, I'm going to get back to the demographic in a second, but when you talk about the workshop, what is that workshop called? We call just the program itself the Sisterhood Connection um, when it comes to workshops, panels, and networking events. Okay, so I don't have a name name for the workshop. Okay, so when you talk about the thing that you do every year, what exactly mm-hmm. are you talking about? That is that's specific for that one group, and that's um, Delta Sigma Theta on UALR's campus, New Kappa Chapter, and they have topic and theme that they want me to hit, and I tailor it to them. I have a lot of free range on what I'll talk about, but they have their own program, and they call it My Cry in the Dark is the one where we have with all the women, and then a developed elephant in the room to talk about hot topics in a very professional and sound way. And so even though that has nothing to do with the mission of Real Images, they just want me to come in as a facilitator and facilitate that topic. But the My Cry in the Dark is not a Real Images event. It's just I come in every year and I have been there since the inception inception of that program to facilitate it. Okay. So what are some of the programs that you do throughout the year with Real Images? So Real Images, we do the Ladies Power Hour. That's our networking event. We've kept it pretty much exclusively to Crush Wine Bar. Um, They just have a great venue. They're very generous with us and very hospitable with us using their entire space. We have the panel discussions and that... you know, that range of topics. We've had the women lipstick in the workplace. It talks about dress codes um, in the workplace and how it's kind of imbalanced in that with women and how women have like this stricter dress code than men. We talked about um, stress, so women um, stress in the Shiro complex, which, you know, we have all this stuff on our plate, you know, as women, how do we take care of ourselves? And then one of the ones that was my favorite was women, uh, motherhood and choice, where we really talked about, you know, the the right to choose to not be a mother. Like some women just don't want to be mothers and the stigma behind that. And do you feel or or should you make, be, make 
to be felt less than a woman because you don't want to have a child. Or a lot of women struggle with fertility issues, um, and that's a shameful and you know, kind of a stigma topic to talk about because, again, it goes back to your essence as a woman. I have fertility issues and I've been more open about mine, but I'm open about it because I hear in private conversations women struggle with that. And I feel this is important to talk about it. And then like the the right to choose for adoption. So I really want to take that word choice and flip it because mm-hmm. not all choice is about abortion, you know, right. you know, women, motherhood and choice. That choice word is a lot of different things. That was one of my favorite panels. Sherry Williamson was on that panel. Crystal Mercer was on that panel. Kara Bibb was on that panel. It was it was great. And we did not record it because of the sensitive nature of mm-hmm. the discussion. But man, <laughs> you know, and I, I wouldn't take that back for anything. I still wouldn't. Um, have recorded it, but I just wish more people were there for that. There were some neat things said in, at that panel I still remember. And then, of course, the Battle of the Sexes. That's our annual event. A lot of people know us for that. They know Battle of the Sexes and don't really know that Real Images is sponsoring it, you know, mm-hmm. which is still fine um, because we talk about Real Images at every panel. But that's when we have three guys, three girls come together and talk about relationships and I, we try to make that panel as diverse as we possibly can. So we will have a conservative voice, a conservative relationship voice. Someone is like, I'm dating and I'm happy and I ain't got to get married if I don't want to. Uh, get the, the millennial side of, you know, new dating, online dating. So we, you know, we have um, someone from the LGBTQ community when we can on that panel. So we, we really make that one diverse and tell people, you know, let's let's talk about it. And so uh, people love that event. So we're going to have it this summer. Usually we have it in February, but I pushed it back to talk about the women, girls and abuse. So don't have a date set, but I know it's going to be in June. We're going to do Battle of the Sexes this year. I hope I get to go to this one. I think I may have gone to the very first one. I'm not sure. And I am really sorry that I didn't go to the, I'm sorry, what'd you call it? The motherhood and choice? Yeah. Yeah, because I remember when it happened and I remember thinking, oh, I need to go to that. But I, there, I must have had some conflict because I'll tell you in the South, you are expected to be a mother. Yep. And you're expected to be a mother by the time you're 25. And yep. what bothers me about that is one, that it's the expectation, but also you don't know everyone's story mm-hmm. and it's not your business. So I, I can't even tell you how many people who have tried to convince me that I can still adopt, do a surrogate, you know, all of those things. I'm like, mm-hmm. uh this is not a discussion I need to have with you because it's not right. of your fucking business, you know? Right, right. And yeah, you just have to handle that lightly. Like my brother adopted, him and his husband adopted, and I love my nephew to death. And I think it was the best thing that they could have done. And, you know, that gets on at me Well, you can always adopt. Mm-hmm. And I'm already just kind of passionate about everything and can get upset and cry at any point in time. And my nephew is great, you know, but he has deep moments. He is 12 and he remembers the home that he had before he was put in foster care. He remembers who raised him. And those discussions of why my mom didn't want me, my brother is able to have that conversation with him. And they, because my mother passed a week before my nephew was placed in my brother's care. 
Oh my like goodness. he was, he literally, my brother, literally, the plane was landing on the tarmac with him going back to Maryland, well, Virginia at that time, from my mother's funeral, when his husband got the phone call waiting for him to come through the airport, we're sending them to you tomorrow. <laughs> oh, oh my God. <laughs> so, you know, with that, they were able to grieve together. And so my brother has been able to be like this great support and have these very meaningful conversations and, you know, do the best he can. I would be a blubbering idiot. <laughs> yeah. You know, and so I have to recognize that about myself, even with adoption, adoption is great. And I really wish more people would adopt. And I, I really wish I was set up, I guess, in a way to adopt and give a child a lot of my attention in the time that they need. Um, because there's a lot of the older kids that don't get adopted out, right? But the right. older kids, like, they have all of this trauma and all of this emotion. And you have to really, really be, have the space to work with them. And, and my brother and his husband, they do an awesome job. And I look at them and I'm like, I, you know, and I don't try to compare myself with everybody. But I look at them and I'm like, oh, I don't know if I have the capacity. Right. And of you course, know. if you had to, you would, but yeah. it is a choice. And I feel the yeah. same way. I mean, I'm about to be 48, actually. And Jason and I tried to have kids and we just never got pregnant. And then it kind of got to the point where it's like, eh, I'm kind of over it. And now I don't want kids. You know, yeah. I'm like, okay, I've passed that point. Now I can have a, a broader impact by helping women or being a lawyer or whatever. I can do those things. And I don't feel this, this dr- drive to have children. Yeah. And, you know, I, I just, you know, I, I was married before and, and we miscarried and that was a really painful mm-hmm. experience. I mean, in a way, I'm kind of glad it happened because we ended up getting divorced but because of that, but it would have been fine. I don't, I don't even know what I'm talking about, but, um, but <laughs> also but yeah, saying, when you, when you're thinking of things in the future, like what I want to bring my kids through that, and, you know, yeah. when it comes, when it comes to kids, the the choice we have is to is to feel the guilt before we even have the opportunity to approach it. You know, I'm yeah. thinking slowing things about my brother, but I'm pretty sure on the inside, like I wish I would have done that differently. I wish I could have done this a little bit different. Or I wish I, you know, what I'm saying like every parent yeah. has like, oh, I wish I could have, and I wish I wouldn't put my child through this and that. We just have the, I guess, I don't want to say privilege. We just have like that the space. luxury. Yeah, 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 we just have that space to like put our guilt on the forefront of our choice, you know? Yeah. I'm like, oh, I don't think I could do that right. You know, which most parents, once you become a parent, be it that you planned it or you didn't plan it, that child is here. So you're just going to have to go on the ride to, that way. But yeah, when when something happens to you like that, like a miscarriage, and you don't have a choice in that, it's just how it happened. And then you, like, five years later, oh, we got divorced. Maybe that happened for a reason. I think that's a natural well, yeah, feeling and thought. Yeah, and and also, and and actually, my ex and I are are fine. I mean, we don't hang out, but we we don't have a contentious relationship, and didn't then either. But it would have. I know that it would have taken me longer to leave, even mm-hmm. though I was not happy. Yeah, and that's another thing. I mean, I I have friends who are so unhappy in their relationships that they won't leave because of the kids, mm-hmm. and I have always believed that those kids know it's not right. And if they if they see their parents living this unhappy existence, what is that teaching them? Do mm-hmm. they have to just shut up and take it? Yeah. And I don't believe yeah. that because life is short, you know, and I just 
anyway, I, I guess that, that goes back to just this idea of choice and, and right. women's choices, because we're usually the ones who do have primary care responsibilities. And if we do, if we earn an unhappy relationship, it's so much harder for us because we usually make less or maybe we didn't work. And, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, it's just there are all these considerations. Or whether you have to cut out from that child's life that was, you know, funded or was able to be supported with two adults sharing mm-hmm. the responsibility and who is not going to take on the load if the family separates. Yeah, I mean, right. I, I haven't went through that, but I'm pretty sure that would be natural for people to start thinking like that. I would if it were, if it were me, mm-hmm. you know, and you want to you always want to give your child the best lifestyle. But yeah, I've had friends, female friends and male friends who have, you know, been in a been raised in a household where the parents fought all the time and they resented them staying together. And so when the divorce mm-hmm. happened, usually after they leave the house and go right. to college, it's like, ooh, they they probably will never tell their parents that. They were like, oh, goodness, I'm because they they were unhappy. And a lot of that causes some people to not to want to get married, you know, right. and to choose not to get married because you see you see problems and you feel like that's how it's going to be. And it's, it's not necessarily every relationship is different. Right. But you haven't had the benefit of uh, the model of a good relationship or at least mm-hmm. a healthy one. Because uh, right. a good relationship doesn't mean all things are, you know, sunshine and roses. It, right. But it means that you're, you know, you communicate well and, you know, all of that stuff that goes along with it. Okay. So we had start. you had mentioned a little bit that you see the greatest need in young girls or young women of color. Is that mm-hmm. correct? Yeah. And so tell me how that manifests. How do you, what makes you say that? It's just the invitations that I've gotten for the girls workshop, the mirror workshop. I'm hopeful as the project grows that, you know, more demographics reach out and say, hey, we need you to come and talk to our girls. But for the most part, the invitation has been to predominantly African-American schools or after school programs. Well, who's inviting you? I've gone out to McClellan once. I've gone out to our house a couple of times. I'm in communications with um, Jacksonville. And that, that I mean, that started today. So mm-hmm. I don't even know if that will manifest into anything. But these are the type of places that I've been asked. Now, I did have a parent one time who randomly called me from the Bryant School District. Which is, a little, which is a little bit more diverse, but that was a parent that wasn't a school official. Um, and I, you know, just said, hey, welcome to is if you want to talk to after school program, boys and girls clubs out there or the school and I'll come because, I mean, this role is volunteer. Myself and the board is all volunteer. So if I had a paid position and had the capacity to, you know, call and, and make these partnerships myself, which were Hopefully we're getting into some of that with our Clinton school student who's working with us. But right now, what I can handle is getting the invites. I can't handle going out and canvassing and pitching to all the school districts. Mm-hmm. But that is something you're building toward. I would hope. I would, hope would like that to. would be. Yeah. yeah, that would be a totally different conversation. And if my boss is listening, he'll probably cringe at that statement. <laughs> because, I mean, with that, I mean, I would have to think about funding and, and think about doing it full time. So, but we'll just see how it grows. We'll see what happens. Can you give me a brief description of what the program entails? 
So right now it is us going, speaking with a group of girls and talking about, you know, what what makes them feel powerful, what makes them feel good about themselves, how they can make the girl next to them feel good about themselves. So a lot of tell her what you admire about her or write um, three nice things about this particular person and like hand them the card. And then we also talk about bullying. So Presently, we have Adriana Oge, who is a Clinton School student. Her second year Real Images Mirror Program, Mirror Project is her capstone. She's in the midst right now of developing a survey that hopefully we can get out in the next couple of weeks so that parents, nonprofit professionals, after school um, and, and program professionals and teachers can take so we can drill down what it will look like to expand that and to make a session break up into maybe five, four or five times that we go out and Mm -hmm. do a full curriculum. So we really want to narrow down what topics that these professionals and parents would think is beneficial for students or their daughters to engage in. And that's the way we want to expand. So once we get that curriculum down, then the next phase is to get volunteers, train the volunteers on teaching the curriculum and sending them out to multiple sites and just mm-hmm. doing that four sessions. And then if they want to take on another four, they can. If they want to take a break, like that's that's the vision. That's the goal. And she is currently working on that as a capstone project now? Yes. Mm-hmm. That's cool. Yeah. Did you know her before or did you pitch this to the school? We pitched it to the school, so we had to apply with the Clinton School with a project proposal. And so from there, they have a community fair or fair where the students come in and talk with the different organizations that have projects, learn more about their projects. And from there, the student chooses and works with the advisor. Well, Adriana was not at that fair, but some of the other students said, hey, you may want to look at this. <laughs> um and she reached out to us that way. And so we met up with her, went more in depth about it. She went to her advisor. They got approved. And that's how that process went. Yeah, I've applied for or I've, I've submitted proposals before and they were never picked up. But I didn't I don't think they were doing the um, sort of the fairs or whatever back then. So I should probably try that again. So you, you talk about bullying and, you know, bullying is someone who's in pain. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Do exactly. You, do you try to kind of teach any, I'm going to call it restorative justice, but that's, I don't think that's what I really mean. But when talk about, you know, when you experience bullying, there's something probably going on with that person. Mm-hmm. Or if you're a bully, you know, you really need to talk to someone because you've got some trauma in your life and you're just, this is the only way you know how to deal with it. And do you, right. do you cover that kind of stuff? We talk about what the person who's getting bullying should do. We do address the fact that hurt people hurt people. And that actually came up at the, our house did a first ever girls conference with their after school program last Saturday. And so I worked there, but I was invited (laughs) um, to come and do a session, which was just beautiful in itself. Mm -hmm. And so I was a part of the panel with the other session leaders at the end. And the question about bullying came up. My my part of the answer was when someone's bullying you, they are hurt. And that's that's always the case. And it's hard for a young child to understand. 
I was bullied. My mama told me the same thing. I could not wrap my head around the fact that, that this person was hurting because this person is so vicious to me. Like as a child, mm-hmm. you just can't understand that concept that something is going on and you're so terrified. You don't want to just go up and like, you need a hug. Like you just don't. Right. You had to be a special type of uh, a child to, to do something like that. You know, I just encourage them to talk to someone, but I have never seen or or I don't believe I have had a girl thus far that has been the bully. Mm-hmm. But we do hope that we're doing some of the other activities telling this girl next to you three things about herself and having someone telling you three things about yourself and having you write down 10 things you love about yourself. Hopefully that address some of that. Don't lash out because you're not feeling good. You have the right to feel good like about yourself like everyone else in this room. Mm-hmm. Like this is an equal playing field. So that's the energy we bring. I'm pretty sure if, if I was ever approached with doing something specifically for the agitators, for the bullies, I'm pretty sure I'll do it and do my very best at it. Um, Mm -hmm. But two, I mean, the bully is just, um, for me, when I was getting bullied, I just didn't understand why the parents didn't know their kids were buttholes. (laughs) I mean, that's, that's just me being kind of, I don't know, being judgy, like, if your kid is typically like rude and just mean to people in general, like why is that not being addressed? Or maybe it is and it's not working. But, you know, we, we see when our kids are kind of withdrawn and when they're getting bullied, but and their parents address that. But I don't ever hear about situations where the parent knows that their child is a bully and you address that. Yeah. And, and maybe the parents are bullies. You know, I mean, very true. Very true. There are probably all kinds of situations, but you hear, and actually just coincidentally, I heard this part of a story on NPR maybe yesterday, and it was Dylan Klebold's mom, one of the shooters in uh, Columbine, the Columbine shooting. Mm -hmm. And she just had no idea how angry and upset he was. You know, Mm. I think she, I think she said that she'd even asked him something happened and she said, Hey, are you okay? You know, do you need to see someone or or whatever she said? And he was like, no, I'm good. You know? And, and then turns and then around he, and does, yeah. yeah. And so I just, oh, it's so hard. I mean, goodness, that's another reason I'm so glad I'm not a parent because I am just convinced that I would screw those kids up. And I, you know, I have, you know, an endless well of compassion in my heart for children in pain, for people in pain. And I just don't know. Ooh, I would just hate to miss something like that. And I don't, I don't say that with judgment. I mean, I just am saying that to imagine. That guilt, you know, yeah. like every parent goes like, why didn't I see that? Why didn't I catch yeah. that? Yeah. And and I mean, you make a good point. Like sometimes if the, if the parent itself is a bully and is a butthole, how would you not, you know, how would you? Right. Well, the, what do they care? Yeah. Right. And maybe they've got their own issues they're dealing with. And so they don't have time yeah. to, to worry about that. I mean, no one's dead. No one's, you know, whatever. It's the kids will be kids, that kind of thing. Yeah. Oh gosh, what else? I'm gonna say one more thing. Well, I can't remember, but I do want to bring this up. But you and I in our lives and our friendship have talked in the past about issues of race and mm-hmm. feminism and intersectionality and kind of all that stuff. And and I 
I don't want to have that conversation right now because I think it's too long, but I do want to talk about it as a kind okay. of a separate subject at some point. But yeah. one thing, you know, our image of beauty is usually a skinny, white, mm-hmm. young, blonde. Mm-hmm. And I think about that a lot. How do you talk about that with young girls of color who don't see themselves held up as the image or the standard of beauty? I think if you easier because there's so many female role models and leaders stepping up, especially those. And I, I definitely don't want to knock my sisters who rock relaxers and weeds. Like, y'all are gorgeous. But it's something to a woman with natural hair, afros, locks, such as what I have been on display for young girls to see and to admire I think that as long as, and this is why we're really, this is like, this is, this is kind of our mission. If we get ourselves right, you know, as women, if we feel good about ourselves, then we turn around and be role models to young girls, right? So mm-hmm. if we're all loving our natural selves, then that will translate. Representation matters. That will translate to our kids. And what was so beautiful about the panel on Saturday was we were all up there, different shades of black women, different types of natural hair in our own professions, in our own right, saying, hey, we went through this in life. Don't feel like you're by yourself and we're not the end result. Like this isn't the end of our story. We're still growing. So even though you may admire who we are right now, we're not done. (laughs) You know, Mm -hmm. Um, there's still more to this story. So there's more to our stories and we're not done. You're definitely not done. You're just beginning. And it's time for you to start writing your story. So those types of conversations and those type of visuals matter to our young girls. And even with white women and young girls who are white, I mean, you said it's skinny, blonde, Mm -hmm. And you forgot straight hair. Yeah. Because I've had conversations with white women about I, my curly hair. I straighten my hair because it's more, it's more appeasing. And I love curly hair. And I, mm-hmm. you know, and women with red hair, you know, bright red hair, you know, with the paler skin, I find that beautiful. But there's a lot of, uh, that's not really looked upon as beauty. And right. so even like on our website, with our models of our power shirt, I even did my best to go, you know, to be diverse with those photo shoots as much as I could. And I probably could go go a little bit more and do a couple of more photo shoot campaigns with even more diversity of women. But I chose those women for a reason. And I told them why I chose them for a reason. Jessica Sue was one of our models. And Jessica has this beautiful, long, curly red hair, gap in her front teeth beautiful but Mm -hmm. to quote-unquote standard she shouldn't be you know she's curvy she's everything that's against the quote the status quo definition and she still rocks it you know Mm -hmm. and so that's what i want people to understand is start the best way to shatter that is to put yourself up front you know and to put the woman next to you up front that should be seen so other little girls can see other little girls with red curly hair with a gap in their teeth can look at Jessica and be like, oh, she's a model. She's on the website. She mm-hmm. looks great. She's posing. She's go- she's me. Mm-hmm. And she's modeling. Yep. Yep. I, I, 
so I'm listening to you talk and I've, I've seen the pictures you're talking about and I love them and I love the diversity in the models. They're all just beautiful, but it is extremely hard to turn, you know, like you talk about this, the mirror project, right? It's, it's really hard to turn that back to myself and see mm-hmm. the same beauty, you know? And yeah. I'll tell you, I, I really, I mean, I'm, shit, I'm almost 50 now and I am really, really struggling with aging. Um, mm-hmm. I, I rarely yeah. wear makeup. So it usually, you know, it, I probably look more tired or older, you know, without the makeup, but I see myself and I'm like, who are you? Who is this mm-hmm. person? Because it almost is a cruel joke that by the time we start to get more comfortable in our skin, that's when we start. It to starts age changing. And, yeah. We lose that youth. And it's just, I don't, yeah. I wish I didn't feel that way, you yeah. know, but I don't, it's not like I really get down about it, but I definitely think about it occasionally, especially if I see a picture and I put on some weight or, you know, whatever it is. I'm mm-hmm. like, Oh my God. Mm-hmm. But then at the same time, I'm like, you know what? None of that matters. What matters yeah. is that I have a great relationship. I love to travel. I've got, you know, this and this and that, you know, life is good. And that's what truly matters. Yeah. And you're making a difference. But yeah, I mean, you bring up a good point. We haven't, we haven't really modeled older women. We haven't modeled trans women. There is so, I mean, if, cause I take those pictures myself too. So I'm trying to like practice my photography skills and every other skill I've had to acquire since starting real images, you know? And so mm-hmm. I so want to do more photo shoots, but coordinating between oh, yeah. four different people and myself is so hard. But um, oh, yeah. whenever I do the next one, I'm going to call you so you can model. <laughs> All right, I'll have to get a new bra. <laughs> <laughs> My friend um, has cancer and she had a double mastectomy. And we th- there's a whole group of us and we all get together every year with us, you know, our families and everything and go play at the lake. And she said, you guys bring your bras to burn this year. And I said, I need my bras. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, you call me. I'll, um, I'll overcome my, my concerns and, and help you out. And I'll even work yeah. with your schedule. So last thing. Well, two things. One, you mentioned our house. So if mm-hmm. you could just briefly kind of tell us about that and what our yeah. house is. Yeah, our house is a comprehensive program for homeless and near homeless families. So we we have a lot going on there. So I'm the director of housing. So I oversee our shelter and transitional housing, our emergency shelter and transitional housing. We also have a career center. Uh, Within that career center, we have reentry services. Um, GED services, employment assistance, employment assistance, meaning resume building, computer use to look for jobs, job fairs, things like that. We don't actually, we're not, uh, what's the word I'm trying to say, like an employment agency, we're not mm-hmm. that. But we definitely give support so people can go out and get those jobs and get hired on on those jobs. We also have children's programs. So we have a child development center um, that's better beginning level four. I don't run that program. I hope I'm saying it right. Um, but it's the highest better beginnings level um, that you can achieve. We have that for six weeks to school age and then an after school program that's all school aged. Um, and we're maxed out on, I mean, on everything. Like, you know, the services are needed all the way around. And so we're consistently filled in our housing programs. Our children's centers, both programs have a waiting list. Uh, we're continually growing reentry services. We have therapy services now. Um, and a homelessness prevention program. And the therapy services is a partnership, is a new partnership with UAMS. So we're very excited. We're, we just got that ball rolling. 
uh, with a family therapist. Homelessness prevention program um, is also um, a program where we're taking individuals and families, families, not individuals, in every day to get them at that critical point before they become homeless. Mm-hmm. And do some interventions and get them stabled and keep their kids stabled and keep them in their original school district. Because when a kid moves schools and moves districts, that takes them back about six months, if not longer, with their education and being able to be on the same level and keep up with their peers. And so mm-hmm. 32 years, how long our house has been. So. Wow. Yeah, definitely took um, a lot of years to get all of that going, but it all happens on our campus. Our team is growing every day. I have a great team led by Ben Goodwin, our executive director, and we're just, we're rocking and rolling. (laughs) So my life is full. I just um, got elected to be on the board of Lucy's Place. And so my whole life is nonprofit. I just eat, breathe, and sleep nonprofit. Yeah, and Lucy's Place uh, for listeners is a shelter for homeless LGBTQ people. Yes. In Little Rock. Yeah, that's also a great program. So uh, just very quickly, as far as the needs, are you all seeing an increase in need or are you building capacity so it feels like there's a greater need, if that makes sense? Yeah, I feel like we're building capacity right now. And we're five years. Really, really, you're talking about real images, right? I'm, t- I'm talking about our house. No, that's why I said my whole life is it's nonprofit. <laughs> you got to specify. <laughs> Sorry. So at our house. So I feel like that's a hard question to answer. It, it feels like to me that the need is becoming greater because we get calls from different areas of the state for us to talk with them and lean, they lean on our experience because they're building shelters or interested in building shelters in their area. So North uh, West Arkansas is one area. Uh, Fort Smith got the Hope Center. And Hope, I may be saying the name wrong, um, but that just opened a couple of years back in Fort Smith. Um, we've gone down to El Dorado to talk to um, officials in El Dorado about homelessness there. We're about to have talks with Saline County about um, the need for a homeless shelter in Saline County. So it, it's kind of hard to gauge if the need is getting greater or is it just needing to be addressed and people are trying to build their capacity to address these needs. It's, I mean, it's, it's hard for me to answer that question. Um, mm-hmm. People are finding themselves in a the state of not being able to make ends, ends meet. And, you know, I can get I can get deep into all of the stuff that, you know, we see in congressional hearings. You have prices of items going up, but not necessarily your paycheck is, is meeting that need. Gas prices and then all of a sudden your milk is more expensive, your eggs are more expensive, you know, rent costs is getting higher. And and but you're still making eight fifty nine dollars an hour like that mm-hmm. doesn't match. So. That may have something to do with it, too. So we're still visiting with people all around the state to see what what the issues really are and how we can advise them or just, you know, give a helping hand. Um, Like I said, 32 years, we pretty much know what we're doing at this point, and we are happy to talk with individuals who are just getting started and kind of lead them in the right directions of where they need to go to take care of their communities. As, As much as we would love to duplicate and be all over, that's easier said than done. (laughs) 
Yeah, it's a lot of work. Well, yeah. I there's I definitely one of the subjects I want to cover in a future show is housing, affordable housing. Yeah. Yeah. And I'll definitely be talking to you or someone from our house about that uh, because I, I think about that all the time. And how do we, how do we look at San Francisco or New York and how do you, people need to be able to live there and not just yeah. billionaires, you know? Anyway, that's a whole topic for another time. Yeah, that's another one too. Yeah. Uh, there's so many things. Uh, you and I have this same heart. We see all the, the pain and suffering and problems that need to be fixed. And I know I overwhelm myself thinking about everything, but how can people, uh, best follow you or follow real images. So to follow real images on Facebook and Instagram, it is real images AR, like Arkansas, real images AR. We would love to have you. We do have a Twitter account, but I'm so horrible with mm. Twitter. Somebody will have to come and help me. But my Facebook game is strong and my Instagram game is getting stronger. Um, and the website, realimages.org. Realimages.org is our website. Also stays up to date. Feel free to dig deep about our programs. Look at the flyers from our previous events throughout the years to kind of see all the things we covered. Um, you can contact us, donate, donate, donate. I would take $5, dollars <laughs> $10, yep. whatever, because all of that helps with keeping these programs running and, and getting supplies and things like that. And you can um, sign up for our email subscription. I probably sent out an email. I, I need to send one out, but I usually try to do one once a month or once every two months. So not, you know, in your inbox all the time, but just keeping people abreast of what's going on. Um, and yeah. All right. Well, I really appreciate you talking to me. And I know that we have so much more to talk about. Yeah. And we'll we'll definitely be doing more conversations in the future about a yeah. variety of, of topics. So yeah. I look forward to that. Too. Thank you. I, I really you. value I value you and I value our friendship and I just appreciate everything you do. Oh, I love you. Thank you. I'll, I love you too. I'll talk to you soon. All right. Bye. Bye. Bye.